Hey, welcome to our very first episode of the Facts of Lifestyle podcast. We're your podcast hosts. I'm Dr. Greg. And I'm Dr. Joan R. And we're both board-certified lifestyle medicine doctors. So just to tell you a little bit about this podcast, the origins really came from a dinner um, back in October of this past year, 2019, when we were attending the American College of Lifestyle Medicine conference. It was a plant-based meal at an Ethiopian restaurant in Orlando, and uh, Dr. Greg and I, you know, we sat down for dinner, and I, I felt something special happen at that time. We were both very passionate about how the power of lifestyle change can positively change, you know, anyone's anyone's life and, and health. And yet we, we felt that lifestyle medicine at the time, and it's still at this time, not yet very well known to the rest of the medical community and the American public at large, which gave us the idea to start this podcast altogether. Yeah, we had a great discussion and we just wanted to keep that discussion going. So that's what we're hoping to do today. And you know, just a little bit further, you know, nowadays in our digital age, we're almost overwhelmed with information and some of that information is good and some of it is, is fiction actually. So it gets very confusing with all the information on the internet. You know, we don't know what to believe. So we're really trying to, trying to explain to you, the listeners about the latest health and wellness information so we can distinguish ourselves as evidence-based science from the pseudoscience and fake news. So ultimately, you can make the best decision for your health. Yeah, and you know, I just feel like through this podcast, what we wanted to do is just provide you the most relevant facts, so that that can empower you to you know change your own life and change your your health habits to reach your full potential. So, so at this point, you guys are probably wondering who we are. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to give you a little bit of our background. Um, that's right. So Dr. Jonar, tell them a little bit about you. Yeah, so I am a double boarded um, certified physician. I'm boarded in the American Board of Internal Medicine, as well as the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm currently practicing in the South Bay area, which is in Los Angeles. Um, as a hospitalist for patients who get uh, hospitalized. Um, and that, you know, kind of propelled me into doing uh, lifestyle medicine. So, but just going back to, you know, where, where I'm from, I, I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. I earned my bachelor degree at New York University and I received my medical degree from Georgetown University School of Medicine. Um, some of my family background, I come from a Filipino family. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, there's a lot of healthcare workers. You know, I have a lot of aunts and my, my mom were all nurses. Um, I have a sister who's also a physician, um, but I actually didn't even wanna go into medicine to begin with. Um, I started out pursuing a career in international law. Um, it, you know, I'd lived in many cities in the U.S., including 
abroad. I, I lived in Osaka, Japan when I was in high school. Um, in Madrid, Spain, I studied abroad when I was in, in college, and I even worked for a summer in uh, Manila, Philippines. Um, and on, on my career path um, for international law, during that time, it was 2001, my dad was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Um, and so I, I kind of had to decide, do I want to continue down the, you know, international law, international politics route and work abroad potentially or just stay in the United States? So actually, I decided to stay back and live with my um, or live in Chicago near my parents uh, until my dad got better. But he he didn't. He eventually passed away. And that was in 2004. So. For me, that was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, you know, I just lost my dad at a pretty young age. I was 24 at the time, not really knowing what I wanted to do at that point. Um, you know, even though I did want to do international politics before that, I think his death really made me re-examine what I wanted to do with, with my life, and that inspired me into medicine. Um, so I went back, and I had to take all the pre-med classes in you know, even at that time, I was struggling with his passing, um, you know, whether you want to call it bereavement or depression. Um, you know, I even had a physician, my primary doctor, who put me on some anti-anxiety meds. But I realized that was a short-term solution to a long-term problem. And so I, I, for myself, I started doing a lot of research um, into um, meditation and mindfulness and I remember back to my time that I spent in Japan, um, you know, we went to a Buddhist temple and I don't think I was, you know, I was only 18 at that time because I was in high school. So my mind wasn't really ready for meditation back when I was younger. But I think at that point, after my dad passing, I really started to getting into meditation. That was in 2004. Um, and so, you know, from that point forward, I went to med school at Georgetown that, you know, med school for me was really rough. I mean, apart from, Greg, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with this. You went through the process yourself, but med right. school is, it's hard. It's tough. It's tough. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of, a lot of the people I went through med school with, they, they, they had their own struggles, but I think I really struggled. Um, I, I also went through a rough relationship breakup during, um, the second year of my medical school. And so it, it was just a struggle throughout. I, you know, stopped meditating at certain points in time and I, you know, miraculously made it out. Um, and so then I started my residency in the LA area. And I think like throughout that time and then through the middle of residencies, the beginnings of starting down the path of lifestyle medicine, even though I didn't know it at the time, I think for me, it was kind of like a gradual progression of, you know, small, you know, if you want to call them like life signposts that led me down, down this road to lifestyle medicine. Um, it started with my own health. So, you know, in the middle of residency, I just found myself being very unhealthy. I, I was overweight by 35 plus pounds. I wasn't really meditating anymore and tired most of the time. And, it, you know, I don't know if that was due to residency or my own health, you know, unhealthy health choices, but I think maybe a combination of the both. 
kind of decided I needed, I really needed to do something about it. So um, I started doing um, the ketogenic diet for a while. Greg, I don't know if you've ever done keto. I've experimented with a lot of different diets, including keto. Okay. I've tried about everything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, so you, you know, pretty well about this diet. I, I don't know for you guys, if you've ever done ketogenic diet, but you can lose weight. I think for any, any quote unquote fad diet that you do, you, if you stick to it, you can lose weight. But I think I felt awful doing it. And I think there's many reasons as to, you know, why it felt that way. I think mainly the consumption of like a lot of fat, um, which is allowed in the ketogenic diet, but it just made me feel awful. So in 2017, one of my med school friends, um, Jack Nguyen, um, she introduced me to this book called How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. And so I think that that was the pivotal changing point in my my health and wellness. And I, I started doing plant-based and, you know, it was, it wasn't just, you know, from zero to hundred, I was straight up vegan all the time. No, it was, that also was a process. Um, but I think the things that motivated me apart from my own health was working in the hospital. Like I mentioned, I take care of hospitalized patients as a hospitalist. And so seeing these sick patients in the hospital time and again, I mean, the common theme is, chronic disease that ties them all together. And these are the things that have created these acute issues for them that landed them in the hospital. And I think from that, along with, you know, my dad's health and and cancer and his eventual passing, um, I've had several family members who, you know, plagued with either chronic disease or cancer. And actually recently my mom, uh, who had bile duct cancer, just passed away. Uh, last month in December, um, I think all of these things have have kept me on the path of of you know healthy living and sticking to plant based nutrition. Um, and I, you know, I started meditating more consistently. Greg, I know you you've been a meditator for some time, right? Yeah, for geez, over twenty years. Twenty years. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Me close to that too, you know, like I mentioned before, I started back in 2004 um, and I, I, the meditation, but also listening to more podcasts. And one of the podcasts I listened to was by uh, Rich Roll. If you haven't listened to his podcast, I highly recommend it. It's, it's very inspiring and he has great guests on his show, one of which was Dr. Dean Ornish, who talked about lifestyle medicine. And that's one of the ways I actually found out him and also Greg, you know, Dr. Greg, he, he introduced me to, um, that there's actually a a board that you can take. Um, so, you know, I, I sat down, I did the coursework in, in, uh, 2019 and I successfully passed the board exam and here I am. Yeah. And, 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 that's how we met. And here we are doing this podcast now. Yeah. And, you know, Greg, Dr. Greg, I, I want to thank you for, you know, nudging me along and encouraging me to do this because without it, you know, I don't think we'd be here doing this right now. So thanks, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. My goal is to try to get as many doctors as I can 
into lifestyle medicine yeah, and I practicing know, it. I know you mentioned that. I actually, there's two doctors already that I've preliminarily convinced at my hospital to, <laughs> to be a part of awesome. the, the upcoming uh, board exam and conference this year, 2020 here in um, California. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, Dr. Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into medicine and, and lifestyle medicine? Yeah, sure. So I, I grew up in a small town in the Midwest, uh, in Ohio, and uh, I, I always idolized doctors growing up. Um, my mom actually had cancer when I was in the third grade, and uh, I, I lived with my grandparents for a little while. And just seeing how uh, doctors took care of my family members really made me want to become a doctor and help other people. Uh, my grandfather uh, I lived with him for a while when I was in the third grade. And I, as he got older, I saw him have several heart attacks and bladder and ultimately colon cancer. And um, I just wanted to help people like doctors help my family members. And, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I, I didn't really generally eat the healthiest. We always ate vegetables. But I remember like in high school, my my signature lunch was a, a honey bun, which is like a hostess uh, treat that comes in a plastic package and a deep dish pepperoni pizza. So, <laughs> Wait, um, so you ate it in that order? You ate the dessert, then you ate the, the pizza? No, I, I, I <laughs> ate the pizza, then I ate the dessert. But that, that was like my, it was either that or um, country fried steak. Those are my go-tos for lunch. <laughs> so... Um, you know, I was I was like vegetables, but I I ate a lot of a lot of process and a lot of junk foods. Um, but I was always interested in science and health. Um, I graduated uh, from uh, summa cum laude from uh, Ohio University with a biology degree, and I took a little bit of time off. I, I studied in Norway for a year at uh, the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. And I, I worked in uh, computers for a little while and for a couple of years. And then I went back to, to I, I just had this burning desire to be a doctor. And I, I went to medical school at the High University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. And uh, from there, I was just really interested in, in helping people all along the spectrum from uh, from children to older adults, and I, I did a family medicine residency in uh, Northridge uh, Northridge Hospital Medical Center, which was a UCLA affiliated residency in Southern California. And um, I, at that time, because I was really close with my grandparents growing up, and I just liked older adults, I did a geriatric fellowship for two years, and. Hawaii. And I actually did a medical education fellowship as well, because I, I learned I really like teaching. And um, somewhere along this time period, I was starting to make a connection to the importance of of eating healthier and living healthier. Part of it, I think, was just living in Hawaii. And at that time, I was watching some Netflix documentaries, including one called, I don't know if you ever saw uh, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. I've seen but that. That's really it, good. It really, I really saw how this uh, this guy in the movie 
he has um he's very overweight and he's got a skin condition and he starts juicing and he lost a lot of weight and his medical conditions were reversing so that really made me have a really big connection with our our lifestyle and health that even more so than what I had learned in medical school it just just seeing that story and example made me really interested in in uh the connection between lifestyle and our health so um i uh i i worked in in uh different areas of medicine but primarily in geriatrics with outpatient and nursing home settings and as working as a geriatrician in the nursing home and outpatient settings, I started seeing all the end stages of all the different diseases, end stage diabetes, end stage strokes, heart disease, basically all the, all of our organs, I've seen the end stage of what happens. And I thought, I also saw older adults that were thriving and noticed how their habits were a lot different. You know, I saw these older adults that were thriving, they were exercising, eating healthier, working in their yard. And on the other hand, working in the nursing home, I saw patients that were not eating well, that were smokers, that ended up debilitated and living the rest of their life out in the nursing home in their 50s. Whereas I saw patients in their 90s that were still thriving. And then I came across this book. I don't know if you've read it, but it's called The Blue Zones by yes. Dan Butner. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love this book. It was uh, he, Dan, and his team, they identified five different regions around the world that they called the Blue Zones. And these areas have the highest proportions of people who reach age 100. And for as a geriatrician, you know, taking care of older adults, I, I was really fascinated by this and I read the book and they, they studied when they studied these older adults at age 100 or higher, they suspected that lifestyle was a major component of their longevity. And they actually found nine different lifestyle habits in common with virtually all five of these blue zones. And that just made me even more interested in lifestyle and it's correlation. Uh, correlation with our longevity. So as around that time, I was also kind of getting a little bit sick of our healthcare model with expensive healthcare and focusing on pills and procedures. And I found out about uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So I started really studying vigorously about lifestyle medicine. And in 2018, I became board certified and, um, then the following year, that's when we met and started this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Right. So going back to what brought us together, which is lifestyle medicine, uh, we wanted to discuss what is lifestyle medicine and why it is important. So we're going to start out by giving you a definition of lifestyle medicine. So Dr. Greg, you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. So this is off the American College of Lifestyle Medicine's website. Lifestyle medicine is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic approaches such as plant-predominant dietary lifestyle, regular physical activity, adequate sleep, 
stress management, avoiding the use of risky substances, and pursuing other non-drug-related modalities to treat, reverse, and prevent chronic disease. So as far as lifestyle medicine, what is it? What does it mean to you personally, Jonar, Dr. Jonar? Well, I think for me, you know, just going back to what I said about where I came from and, you know, who I am, how I got into medicine in the first place, I think a lot of the principles that lifestyle medicine uh, comprises of, I think these are things that I, I fully embrace. Uh, and going back to what I was saying before about my job as a hospital is I take care of a lot of sick patients and similarly to what Dr. Greg was saying about seeing end stage disease processes of these chronic diseases that's no different from what I see in the hospital too right and a lot of times it's patients with very bad heart disease or uncontrolled diabetes and you know it leads them down to this 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 path where it's hard to get out of and I think this part of medicine, the treatment of acute illnesses will always be there. Um, there will always be a need for, for treating these, these acute issues. But the, the question is what brings these patients to the point of acute illness to begin with in the first place. And a lot of it's coming from these chronic diseases. Uh, we're, we're really at a critical impasse in our, our health system. And what I've come to learn is that there is a major need to get to the bottom of what is causing these chronic diseases. And really it's our lifestyle choices. Right. So, you know, for me, going back to what I was saying with work, um, you know, lifestyle medicine moves beyond what I'm currently practicing and what conventional medicine has focused on, which is really sick care. And, you know, with sick care, a lot of times there is negativity attached to it and patients having to do certain things, you know, having to take their medications, having to avoid certain foods. Um, whereas lifestyle medicine, I feel like moves beyond that realm of sick care to this realm of, of well care, wellness. And it's, you know, empowering patients that want to do these things that want to change their lives. So I think with that, it, there's really this positivity associated with, with this approach uh, because people want to get better. And so there's, there's like this hope that, that people will get better and can get better. And for me, that's the motivating and inspiring aspect of lifestyle medicine. That, that's what it means to me. How about you? Right. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree about how with lifestyle medicine, we're really, uh, it's, it's patient centered. So we're making them, the hero of their own healthcare and not the victim because when you're just right. waiting to get a pill or, you know, you're just waiting until you get sick to see the doctor, then you're not playing an active role. So it's empowering to, to learn how to take care of yourself, learn how to take the necessary steps with your diet, with exercise, with sleep, all these different aspects that, our lifestyle is composed of. And I'm sure when you're in the hospital, I, I bet you have a lot of interesting stories about people who kept the same lifestyle and kept uh, kind of uh, coming in and out of the hospital multiple times. Um, Cause 
you know, I, I, I've seen that a lot with working in the outpatient setting and typically when we're treating people with, with medications, it's a lot of times it's not getting to the root of the root cause of the problem mm-hmm. because if, if they, if they're put on a cholesterol medication, but if someone continues to eat foods with that have high cholesterol, then it's, it's not getting to the root cause. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, like you, you said exactly, it, it's almost a broken record a lot of times with, with seeing this stuff because it's, it's, you know, they, they come in and out of the hospital. It's the same thing every single time. And, you know, it's mainly tied to these unhealthy lifestyle choices that people make. Yeah. And, I, I remember as a resident, just, you know, I can picture a couple patients in mind that, that they had heart failure and they would go home. And when we took a dietary history, when they were back in the hospital, a lot of times it, it went back to them eating something that, that was the cause of them coming into the hospital. So um, yeah, like lifestyle is plays such a bigger role than, than a lot of us realize. And as a geriatrician, one thing that I really like about lifestyle medicine, because with older adults, we typically work in teams and with lifestyle medicine, you can, it can also be a team-based approach because mm-hmm. you you can work with a lot of different disciplines to tackle those pieces of the lifestyle medicine, um, like a, a, nutritionists, right? Yeah, nutritionists, physical, physical therapists, therapist, yeah, um, yes, even um, maybe a, a psychologist or you know just people educating about about health habits, life coaches, health coaches. Um, it, it, it can really uh, utilize a, a team-based approach. And the other thing I think that's real important about lifestyle medicine is that it can be very affordable. Healthcare nowadays, insurance is just getting so expensive. Medications are so expensive. But a lot of these lifestyle treatments are free, like taking a walk is free. Um, we have to eat anyway, so why not eat healthier choices? So that's, that's why I think lifestyle medicine is so, so important. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree it's very important, but I mean, you know, did we, you know, as, as physicians going through the learning process, did we learn about this stuff in medical school and, and residency? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. I don't think we ever really tied everything in together as, as um, I know with lifestyle medicine, it focuses on six pillars, but um, I didn't feel like I really had that major push to change people's lifestyles. Like for example, we learned about nutrition in medical school and, even we had a dietitian in my residence in my residency, but we weren't really taught to be proficient in educating our patients about diet and this whole concept about which we'll talk later in our other podcast, but about a whole foods plant-based diet, that wasn't really a term that I was familiar with uh, through my education. Um, 
as far as medical school residency and as far as, you know, we knew exercise was important, but I wasn't really taught how to prescribe exercise or know how to risk stratify people, whether, you know, they should actually be doing an exercise program if they were safe to do it. I didn't learn that much about sleep disorders. Um, well, we learned about sleep disorders, but not about uh, maximizing sleep quality. I mean, did you guys learn much about really the importance of sleep? I mean, I know in medical school and as a resident, I, I didn't sleep much myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't get that much sleep either. But in, in terms of these principles taught in med school or residency for me, Georgetown, we had one course in nutrition and that comprised of, I think, like 10 or 12 classes. Uh, but there there wasn't much outside of that. And right. to, and to give, oh, go ahead. We'll I, I don't know about you, but a lot of things that we learned about were things that I've never seen before, like scurvy or these um, really rare vitamin deficiencies um, and just just the things that were, I would say to me, more practical as far as nutrition. We didn't learn that as much about that in medical school or residency. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that too. But I think that like for, for you or for me, it's not specific to our medical school. I think this is a pervasive thing in our current medical education system. Now, I will say this, I think it is moving in the right direction. There are some med schools now that are really pushing for nutrition being uh, a vital component of education. Right. There, there's um, a college and medical school in, in the Carolinas, um, in it, as well as in, in Michigan, who have uh, a really strong um, plant-based nutrition component to their med school education, which is really great to see. Right. I, I believe some of the medical schools now ha even have cooking classes. So the medical students learn how to cook healthy and they can, they can demonstrate that to their patients. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that I, I would have loved that going through medical school. Um, but yeah, unfortunately we never got that. I, I, think that we, we're moving in that direction. I think there's more conversation now about how, you know, just simple lifestyle changes have such a profound effect on our health. So, but, you know, the, the thing is, there's a lot of different specialties out there already prior to the onset of lifestyle medicine, like integrative medicine or functional medicine. Um, so, you know, in your opinion, Dr. Greg, what, what are the the major differences between what we do as lifestyle medicine practitioners and those other fields of medicine. Right. So, you know, with lifestyle medicine, we really focus on six pillars or six key lifestyle modalities to treat, reverse, and prevent disease. And there's a big emphasis on a whole food, plant-based predominant diet that we'll talk more about. Whereas, you know, there's all different there's all different spin-offs of medicine, preventative medicine. It really focuses just on early detection and screening and environmental safety and public health. Whereas functional medicine, it looks more on emergence, 
emerging diagnostics, gut health, and a lot of nutraceuticals and supplements. Um, it's more which bio, is, like a biochemical function focus, functional medicine, right? Right. So. right. Um, which is which is quite a bit different than lifestyle medicine. And there's there's integrative medicine, which um, it really kind of combines. Uh, complementary conventional approaches and um, more alternative treatments. Um, there's... And when, when you say that, Dr. Greg, I guess to clarify for the listener, um, complementary uh, medicine is these kind of novel approaches with conventional medicine versus alternative medicine is in place of conventional medicine, correct? Right. So alternative medicine is used instead of the standard medical treatment. Standard medical treatment would be seeing your your uh, medical doctor or your osteopathic doctor um, or other people in in the standard uh, medical care, which would be uh, other health professionals like your physical therapist or psychologist or registered nurse. Mm-hmm. And Complementary medicine is used along with standard medical treatments, and it's not considered to be standard treatment. So, for example, acupuncture, if someone had uh, cancer and they, they were getting chemotherapy and they also had acupuncture to help with their nausea, then that would be complementary medicine. And... Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about that, about these different, because well, there's a lot of different types of medicines, um, naturopathic medicine, uh, alternative medicine, integrative medicine, complementary medicine. There's all different terminologies that can, that can be just, just for the lay person. It can, it can be confusing. Yeah. I mean, the, the couple points I wanted to make was that I think, the differentiating factor between lifestyle medicine and these these complementary and alternative medicines is really the focus on evidence based approaches, and right. and you know you, I I'm not a integrative medicine physician or functional medicine physician, but just from what I've learned um, through reading about it and other people that I know who are in it, you know there there's some some approaches that aren't uh, based off of medical studies uh, and wouldn't be considered within the realm of evidence-based approaches, whereas lifestyle medicine is. And I think the thing you mentioned, Dr. Greg, about patients taking ownership, I think that's a huge differentiating factor too with lifestyle medicine comparatively to conventional medicine. With, with lifestyle, me- or let's talk about conventional medicine first, since that's what everyone knows, is like we, physicians are usually the, the drivers of, of a patient's health outcomes. And the disease is really, disease treatment is really the primary focus for the treatment. And so we're talking about, you know, medications, pills, uh, you know, or procedures in the way of surgeries, what have you. But uh, you know, with lifestyle medicine, the, the 
the role the roles are reversed. The patient is the driver of the outcome, and we as physicians are kind of just along for the ride, guiding them down the path of healthy lifestyle choices. And it comes down to addressing the underlying root cause of the problem, right? Which are, which are our lifestyle choices. So and maybe so, I think maybe an example might be helpful. So yeah, for example, if a diabetic that was 40 pounds overweight came into the office and, and for conventional care or standard medical care, you know, how might that look differently between uh, a life, lifestyle medicine approach and a standard medical care approach? So if we're talking about diabetes, right? From a conventional medicine approach, it would be medications, we would use, right. you know, either oral medications or injectables in the way of insulin to right. control someone's blood sugar, blood glucose, right? And, and and my feeling is there may be some discussion about lifestyle changes, but it's I I feel that it's not going to be the focus. Is just just from from my experience. It's, I, it, I would say that that's that's probably the 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 leading uh, general assumption is that the the approach would be through medicines because you can't always quote unquote rely on patients to do the right thing with their health. Right. Right. Uh, we don't give them enough credit that they're going to, they're going to be able to eat healthier. But I, that, and this is why I, I love lifestyle medicine so much is because we, that is the focus. Our focus is on, those therapeutic lifestyle changes. So we're talking about nutrition, we're talking about exercise and stress reduction, all of these things that contribute to the effect of any one given disease that a person has. And in this case, we're talking about diabetes. I, you know, I, I think that a lot of times we don't even realize, but stress plays a big role in affecting any chronic disease. And, you know, when we're talking about diabetes, it, it does a lot because having emotional stress or any physical stress on the body can raise your specific hormonal level, which is it, it, we're talking about cortisol that over time can right, increase, which your, is a stress hormone. It's a stress hormone. Exactly. So that, that in, over time can increase your, your blood glucose levels and lead to poorly controlled diabetes. So, so a lot of these things have profound effect on, on, you know, any specific disease. And we're, you know, again, we're talking about diabetes here. So I, I think that with these approaches, it's, it's great to see because we're, we're not relying on, on pills or procedures and, we're, we're, we're relying on the patient. And, and another and, big piece of it, because in a lot of, a lot of uh, standard medical care doesn't focus on change psychology which is another huge piece of lifestyle medicine that there's a lot of psychology that it goes into someone changing their habits and lifestyle medicine works on change psychology and f figuring out what motivates someone to change and what, where they're at as far as making a change. Cause um, there's different, different levels of change where someone might not be ready, but we can help motivate them and advise them of how they can change their health so they can be 
the CEO of their health and not the victim of their health. Yeah, I think you touch on a great point because uh, I think this goes with anything in life. You can you can talk to someone about all these things about lifestyle medicine and you know how benefits of a whole food plant based diet are beneficial for your health, but if the the person is not willing to change, then really that that discussion is for naught. And so, being able to figure out where the that the patient is, you you really have to meet them at the level that they're willing to commit to change. And sometimes that's they're not even there yet. And so having those discussions and you know getting them to a point where they they would be ready and willing to change, that that's that's the key to get them to change their behavior. And and kind of wrapping up, like overall with lifestyle medicine, how how do you feel that is helpful for everyone out there or even as a society? Why is lifestyle medicine so important? Well, so in terms of chronic disease, um, I actually looked this up. The National Health Council um, states that in our society, it affects approximately 133 million Americans. So that's more than 40% of our total population here in this country. Um, and that number is projected to grow to greater than 157 million, um, with 81 million of those people having multiple chronic conditions. So, you know, this is a public health crisis and we need to do something about it. And what we're doing currently right now in conventional medicine is not sustainable. And it's come to the point in time where we really need to address the underlying root cause of these issues, which which is chronic disease. So for, for me, I, th- I think that the important thing for everyone out there is being able to look, look at the way that we've been living and seeing where we can, we can make changes. And, you know, it's going to be a process, but we, we have to do it because the, the way we're doing things right now is just, it, we're going down a path of, uh, you know, it not being sustainable. Right. Yeah. Because medication, surgeries, or even people taking supplements, it can really add up. It can cost a lot of money. It's costing our governments a lot of money. It's, it's on individual perspective. It's, it's very expensive as well. So lifestyle medicine can uh, increase the quality and the quantity of it quantity of our life and also decrease healthcare costs. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think we talked about it before, um, the, you know, the, using these approaches into practice, like applying the theory into practice and the the person has to be willing to change. That's, that's number one. Um, and the thing we have to think about too, is that we're not going to have a quick fix. You know, there's all these, fad diets out there that we we alluded to at the beginning of our discussion and to change your your life habits it's it's not a quick fix this isn't like a life hack we have to be able to commit to small habit changes that will then build long-lasting changes um that that will lead to to you know real positive health outcomes um and right we, you know, we, we're talking about this being a crisis and, you know, it, we, we need to really approach it as not just small tweaks. This is comprehensive change and we have to be patient. And I know it's hard work, 
because you basically have to retrain the way that you've been living previously and you're retraining your, your mind and body. So it, it is a process, but if you work on it day by day, you know, those small changes will add up to, to lasting change. Right. And we're hoping this podcast will help educate people because education is key for someone to live a healthy lifestyle. And our next podcast, we're going to talk about nutrition. That's right. That's right. But one thing I wanted to point out is that um, to quote, um, or at least paraphrase um, uh, someone out there um, who basically says that education is, um, it's, it's not, it's not power, it's considered potential power. And really what comes down to is taking action. That's, that's where real power is. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode on nutrition.